Good morning. I'm Pastor Eric Samborski. I just want to thank you for tuning into God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. here on WITK 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. We are local. We're in the Wyoming Valley in the Wilkes-Barre area. We're looking to start small groups to talk about spiritual matters and look at the Bible together. We're looking to plant churches. We're trying to be disciples and make disciples. If you'd like to have a Bible study, I want you to contact us. I want you to contact us. We can get together wherever it's convenient for you so that we can look in the Bible together and find out what it says and live in the light of it, walk in the light of it, encourage one another to be real Bible Christians. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That's G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Please make sure to like and follow us because we put up video content, teaching and preaching. You don't want to miss that. You can find us also on YouTube. So be sure to subscribe and turn on the bell to be notified of any new videos that we post. If you need something, you can also email us at gods.resistance at email.com or give us a call at 570-362-7782. Something, uh, we, we're looking for something to give our life to. And there's all sorts of movements and causes, and a lot of these really have resurfaced in the wake of George Floyd's death. But what we're about is to give our life to the cause of the kingdom of God and of God's resistance. Last week, I talked about justification with God after we've broken his law. God is the moral governor of the universe, and we have broken his law. And through the substitution of Christ, God can rightfully pardon our sin and maintain the strength of his law. Today, we're going to be talking about how pardon is not enough in God's government. He also wants to radically change us so that we do not live in sin and rebellion anymore. So I ask you the question, are you living right? Have you been radically changed by God? Let's listen in on today's briefing. John 3, 3 through 8 tells us this. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth or wishes, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So in these days, there's a lot of things done by the manner of quick fixes. Instead of doing something right from the beginning, we just try to band-aid things so that we can continue to function. And we can find this, whether it be the fixing of our cars or whether it be uh, how to fix our health, there's always some kind of quick fix to it. But is this how we should treat our souls? That's an important question. We're dealing with the most delicate and important matters that could ever face us. Christianity is not a Band-Aid. It never claimed to be a Band-Aid. Christianity is the medicine to the soul of mankind and all of our ills. We must take this medicine in order to fix the problem. When you go to the doctors, they give you medicines to cover up your symptoms. God 
gives us Christ and the gospel to go to the root of the problem and fix what's caused our symptoms and the work of regeneration, or as Jesus said in our reading, being born again is the beginning of this fix. So here's the question. What does it mean to be born again? What is this regeneration? I thought God already saved us when he forgave us, like we were talking about last week. That's true, but that's not all that happens. That's just only a part when God justifies us freely for having broken his law and doesn't hold our sins against us anymore. But you cannot be forgiven without being born again in God's plan of salvation. In order to be born again, you must meet the same conditions that you did in order to be justified or pardoned. So forgiveness without being born again does nothing to our character. It just wipes, wipes the record clean. Born again is not a philosophical point, but a literal happening, whether or not we can explain it. Sometimes people say, oh, okay, well, I had an experience like this. I used to be in drugs and alcohol, and I kind of had this awakening one day where I decided I wasn't going to do this anymore. That's, that's more of a philosophical being born again. But what Jesus is talking about is a radical renovation of the heart as we meet his conditions for pardon and as we then trust him to save us and make us new. The Bible describes this being born again in a few different terms, and this is where we would get that teaching of being born again or being saved. We find uh, the term born again, born of God, born of the Spirit, quickened or passed from life unto death. So these are some of the Bible definitions or Bible terms that are used. A theologian named H. Orton Wiley said, Regeneration or being born again is a moral change that is wrought in the hearts of men by the Holy Spirit. This change is neither physical nor intellectual, although both the body and the mind may be affected by it. It is not a change in the substance of the soul, nor is it the addition of any new powers. Regeneration is not a metamorphosis of human nature. There's nothing wrong with human nature in and of itself. Man does not receive a new ego. He doesn't have a new personal identity. We don't get a new personal identity. It's the same essence after somebody is born again as it was before. He has the same power of intellect. You've got the same feeling. You've got the same will. But these are given a new direction. God does not undo in the new creation what he did in the first creation where he made us. The change is therefore not in the natural constitution of us, but it is, a moral and a, it is of a moral and a spiritual nature. Furthermore, it is important to believe that the whole man, and not merely certain powers of his being, is the subject of this spiritual renewal. Because we are so renovated and changed in our moral nature, it's like it just leavens the whole of our life and has a great effect on every part of our being. If our heart changes, that changes everything about us. So when we're born again, it is the renewing of the original purpose of humankind's life in its full devotion to God. John Wesley defined being saved or regeneration as that great change which God works in the soul when he brings it into life, when he raises it from the death of sin to the life of righteousness. It is the change wrought in the whole soul by the Almighty Spirit of God when it is created anew in Christ Jesus, when it is renewed after the image of God in righteousness and true holiness. Being born again literally means to be born from above. Why? 
There's a long passage here in Ezekiel 37, the first 14 verses. It reads like this. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley, which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again, he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring up flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and ye shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, the shaking and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I behold, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy, or preach unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, Our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts. Therefore prophesy or preach and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel, and ye shall know that I am the Lord when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then ye shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it saith the Lord. So here we find a pile of dead bones, no life in it. We're dead in our trespasses and sins before we're saved, but when we are saved, we're now alive. Like he said, there's the bones, all the skin and the sinews come upon it, but there's no breath. When we get saved, the breath comes in. Ephesians 2.1 says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. Colossians 2.13, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So instead of a dry bone obedience, God does a work that puts flesh and blood into our obedience. So being born again, regenerated is a work of God. It's not only a choice to try and do better, but also a divine change in us. Titus 3, 5 through 6 says, Not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So here we find an imparted life. This life is not by human doing, but the life of God in the soul. The person who's not born again, who's not saved, Jesus said, shall not enter the kingdom of God. Think about it. Somebody who's dead in soul can't enter into a place of eternal life. Jesus tells us there must be a radical change. There must be the breath of God that blows down into your soul. So what does regeneration do? What, is it, what happens to us when we're born again? What has occurred, says Dr. Raymond, is not a complete removal of what is called the flesh, but God gives us the power to conquer that flesh. To walk not after it, but to walk after the Spirit. And so to conquer the flesh and live after the Spirit as to maintain a constant freedom 
from condemnation. It's the salvation, the beginning, the salvation of that reigning power, of that corruption inside of the heart. When we're saved, it is that initial sanctification, that initial cleansing, that initial help to us in our soul. It cleanses us when we're born again from acquired depravity. What does that mean? Well, you and I are all depraved from birth because after Adam sinned and the fall of mankind had taken place, we were so deprived of the Spirit of God in such a way that we were just bent towards sin. That, you and I, there's nothing we can do about that. However, when we're saved, we are cleansed from acquired depravity. In other words, that kind of depravity is added on to the depravity that you and I get just by being alive and being descendants of Adam. It's caused by our own sins. Every time I sin and make a choice to do evil, I get more and more depraved. Not only does it cleanse me from that acquired depravity, but it cleanses me from the pollution of guilt on my soul. I feel like I've gone against God. I feel that guilt on my soul. But when, we get, when we're born again, that, that guilt is gone. It just cleanses us from the consciousness of it, and we now have a new joy and a new light. There's such an inadequacy, then, you can see, of works. I'll try and do better, and then maybe God will accept me. Hebrews 10, 1 through 4 says, For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshippers once purged should not have or should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. So when we are born again, it removes the shame that's caused by guilt. We already said that justification does not make a guilty man innocent, but rather it declares him right in relation to the law through the atonement of Jesus Christ. So what do we do about the feeling, feeling of guilt then? The pollution of guilt is removed when somebody is born again. So why do we need that pollution of guilt removed? Think about it. The feeling of guilt gives us no confidence in God. If I feel guilty, I don't really feel like I've got grounds to pray and lift my, my face up into the face of God because I know there's something wrong. I've got guilt inside of my heart. 1 John 3.21 says, Beloved, if our heart condemn us, then have we no confidence toward God. Excuse me, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. So if our heart's condemning us, we have no confidence. So when we're born again, it's the beginning of true imparted righteousness. 1 John 2.29, if ye know that he, Jesus, is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. So we have a different life, a changed life, a radically changed life. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he's born of God. You see the great difference now if somebody's born again? John Wesley said that justification relates to that great work which God does for us in forgiving our sins, and that regeneration or being born again relates to the great work which God does in us in renewing our fallen nature. In case you've just tuned in, you are listening to God's Resistance, where we resist sin, self, the world, and the devil. You can hear us every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WITK, 1550 a.m. and 94.7 FM. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is 
G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. You can also email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. One experiences the true being of God rather than theorizing about him when he gets born again. Now it's not, I just know about God, but now I experience him and I know him in my inmost being. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 says, For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So here we find in this verse, knowledge of the true reality of God, which is a spiritual knowledge. So now I know God intimately. It also, when I'm born again, I receive a renewed spirit. So now my spirit has a God consciousness. Psalm 51.10, we read, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me to make me new again, to renovate me. That is what happens when one is born again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. A radical change takes place when we're born again. We get a new heart. The heart equals the soul. So not only in our spirit do we have a God consciousness, our soul is that self-consciousness, our intellect, our, our, our mind, our will, where we make choices, our sensibilities or emotions, how we feel, that we get a new heart. We think differently. We choose differently. We feel differently. Jeremiah 24, 7, we read, and I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. For sh They shall return unto me with their whole heart, their whole being, in other words. Ezekiel eleven nineteen through 20 says, And I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within you, and I will take the stony heart out of their flesh, and will give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes, and keep mine ordinances, and do them, and they shall be my people, and I will be their God. So here you find... Something to do with our mind has changed, our choices have changed, our feelings have changed. We also, when we're born again, receive spiritual sight and the reordering of our soul. Isaiah 42, 16, we read, And I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and have and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. So we receive a spiritual sight and a reordering of the soul, not being blind anymore, but being able to see, making the crooked things straight. Also, when we're born again, the law of God is written in the heart. God's law will be our will and our desire. Instead of him forcing us to do what's right, it's in our heart already. Jeremiah 31, 33 through 34 says it like this. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts and will be their God and they shall be my people and they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, saith the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. He puts his law inside of our hearts. We don't need to teach anybody. We have him. Hebrews 10, 16 through 17 refers to this as well. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord, after the days of Christ raising from the dead. 
I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So no longer is it externally forced upon unwilling people. Instead, he writes it in our heart, the actual lawgiver dwelling inside. When you're born again, it restores a, ch- it restores a childlike faith within. Matthew 18.3, we read, And Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So we find here conversion makes us like little children. We also see that in being born again, divine love has begun in the heart the moment somebody is saved, the moment someone's born again. 1 John 3.14 we read, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren, the other Christians. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. So divine love begins in the heart when somebody's born again. Also, when someone is born again, we have the overcoming power of God that begins inside of our soul. 1 John 5, 4 says, For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So when we are born again, a radical change happens in us. What are some of the evidences that someone has been born again or saved? I think first we should say what doesn't, what isn't an evidence, what doesn't change. So similarities, some similarities between saints and sinners, it doesn't matter if you're saved or not. Every one of us has a mind. Every one of us has feelings. Every one of us has the ability to choose. And every one of us has a conscience. Every one of us has a measure of desire for personal happiness. Every one of us has the desire for the happiness of others in some respect. Every one of us dreads our own misery. Every one of us has something in our heart that likes to see the triumph of truth and righteousness in the world and the suppression of error and vice. Think about some of the good and right principles that, you know, even some politicians may stand for, but that doesn't make them saved. It just goes to show you that the image of God is stamped on every one of our hearts. Also, every one of us, we we approve what is good and we disapprove of what is evil in our inmost soul. We have feelings of disgust and abhorrence of sin or of some great crime. Sinners in their inmost soul even can confess to hating their own sin. There's also an admiration of justice that's widespread throughout humanity. The the disgust with government corruption, the disgust with uh, a murder that happens in society, the disgust with so many different things. All of us like justice. We want to see fairness. A love for virtue also can be a part of anyone's heart that ennobles society. Uh, You know, it, it leads to that sobriety, the seriousness of life, industry, working hard, integrity, being honest, generosity, where we like to give to people and compassion, where we can feel other people's feelings and come alongside them. Those are all natural. So those things in and of themselves are not evidences that somebody has been born again. But here is some positive evidences of someone being saved. They do not habitually commit sin any longer. For the Bible tells us in 1 John 3, 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. So if you are born again, 
If you are saved, if you are regenerated, you do not commit habitual sin. Doesn't matter what theologian, what writer, what radio preacher tells you otherwise, the Bible says that that is done. The sin business has stopped. Also, an evidence of being born again is the love of the brethren. We know that we pass from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Some people like to say that they're Christians, but they chew up their Christian brothers and sisters behind their back. Where's the love in that? That's what the scripture's telling us. If we are saved, there's love in our hearts. Doesn't mean we always agree with everyone, but we certainly don't hate them. The world's got enough of that around us. But the truly born-again Christian is radically changed and loves his brothers and sisters in the faith. Also, the positive evidence of being born again is the witness of the Spirit. 1 John 5, 10 says, He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. If I believe in Jesus Christ, I have the witness of God's Spirit that testifies that I'm his child, a radical change has happened, and he abides with me and in me. That is, for the Christian, a necessary thing that we must have. If you don't know that you're saved, you are probably not saved, because it is our privilege that his Spirit beareth witness with our spirit that we are the sons or the children of God. Also a positive evidence of being born again is that we keep God's commandments, 1 John 2, 3 through 4. And hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. That's a pretty sobering thought. We have got so much watered-down Christianity in America where people like to make the argument that to obey God is works. And we're not saved by works, we're saved by grace. But if you go into the book of James, James says, faith without works is dead. Otherwise, In other words, if your faith doesn't work, you don't have faith. If there's not a radical change where we now obey God, then we never got saved in the first place. That is what the scriptures teach us. When we can slide away and turn our back on God, but we don't have to. We can live a life of victory, and those that are born again keep God's commandments, and they're not grievous to him. Also, another positive evidence of being born again is that there will be a resemblance of God in the soul of this person. Regeneration molds and shapes you into the character of your heavenly Father. If you've been saved, that will happen to you. So, are you saved? Have you been born again? Has your soul and spirit been renovated? Did you ever come to a place where you were so sick and tired of your sins and you found that you couldn't keep going on this way anymore? You saw your sins grieved God. You asked God for pardon. You asked him to forgive you. But did you wait and trust in faith for the saving grace of Jesus Christ to enter your heart and radically change you and make you a new person? Has that happened to you? If your spirit hasn't been renovated, if you've not been changed and made into a new person, it is likely that you have not yet been biblically saved. You must see your sins in the light of God. God must show you your sins. You must be so tired of them that you turn your back on them. That doesn't save you, but it puts you in a place to grab onto Jesus in faith with both hands accepting what he's done in place of your guilty soul so that God can rightfully pardon you 
uphold the strength of his law, and radically renovate your nature. Do you have that new life in you? Anyone who's born of God is a new creature in Christ. Are you a new creature? Or are you still back in those old ways? Have you stopped habitually committing sin? Do you love the brethren? Do you have the witness of God's spirit? Do you keep God's commandments? Is there a resemblance of God inside of your nature? Jesus said to Nicodemus, as I read in the beginning, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Please tune in next Sunday if you'd like a copy of this broadcast, or if you need someone to talk to or pray with. Please contact us on Facebook and Twitter at God's Resistance. That is G-O-D-S-R-E-S-I-S-T-A-N-C-E. Make sure to like and follow us for teaching, preaching, and video content. You can find us on YouTube as well. Subscribe, turn on the bell to be notified of any new videos. Email us at gods.resistance at gmail.com or call us at 570-362-7782. Join the resistance, God's resistance. A special thank you to Spectacular Sound Productions for giving permission for the use of the song Heroes and Monsters, which was edited and used in part on this production. The permission was granted under Attribution Share Alike 4.0 International Creative Commons license. That license may be found at https colon forward slash forward slash creativecommons.org forward slash licenses forward slash by hyphen essay forward slash 4.0 forward slash legal code.